welcome to Media Culture and Why We Feel Like Crying So Much. Each week, we use media theory to make sense of our everyday media habits, practices, and experiences. I'm Grant Latanzi. And I'm Stephanie Che. So today's episode is media and courtship. And then at 11.29, like right before I hopped on, I was on Facebook and New York Times had reshared an article from like 2022 or something. And it's a decade of fruitless searching the toll of dating app burnout. 10 years after the launch of Tinder, some long-term online daters say endless swiping has been bad for their mental health. Oh, really? What? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I'm skimming this right now. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I just feel burned out, said Abby, who is contemplating spending $4,500 to work with a matchmaker. It really is almost like this part-time job. I also, I was doing a little bit of reading and I found this paper, Data Cultures of Mobile Dating and Hookup Apps, Emerging Issues for Critical Social Science Research by Albury et al., published in a journal called Big Data in Society. And I just want to read this little quote I pulled. Mobile dating apps, which is what we're talking about, like Tinder, bring into sharp relief the emerging socio-cultural implications of mobile and locative media more broadly, so other kinds of digital media, like those that we find on our phones, particularly around intimacy and privacy. The convergence of public and private life associated with mobile social media means that the technologies that mediate dating, relationships, and sex are connected to other aspects of our lives and identities in new ways. And I thought that quote really nicely brought in like the mess of media life to what we are doing when we're online dating. You said a while back, I think this was when we were talking about finding an apartment and like finding things on Zillow and stuff, but you said that we are, hold on, I literally wrote this down, where is it? I think I remember what you're going to say. It's like the same process that I did, went through to find an apartment, I go through to find a romantic partner, and I go yeah. through to find a job. Yeah, and like find a car, and like mm-hmm. just use it for entertainment, all of that. Plan a vacation. Mm-hmm. And I think, so the reason that this was very interesting to me is because thinking way back to like 1500s, pre-printing press like we got maybe like the rumor mill that's one way that you can learn about someone without them being there um and by that i mean it's just always been possible to talk about other people for as long as we've been people and so at that time you would you would be going off all, all the minute social cues that we are used to using to understand others and get to know others and also all this forms of self-revelation we're used to engaging in um, when we're meeting new people. And by that, I mean just telling others about yourself to different levels of intimacy. And so that was like, I guess, like the stage. And now there's this whole, like, I'm going to appropriate a phrase from a different part of digital media studies, and that's uh, digital doppelganger, which is typically used to refer to like the aggregate of data held by different entities that understands you and is used to curate ads to you. But if we think of it as like, 
I guess like if I think of it as this like digital like brand, like I have these digital components of being that are accessed through certain technologies that if leveraged the way that I anticipate they would be by others around my age, because that's who many of us date, it's a whole new area to understand others. And I think that's what's, that's why this is an area that's like really worth exploring because it's not only how we find potentially our life partners, we are a species that mates for life sometimes, um, but it also is how we get to know the most important people in our lives. I felt when I was on dating apps or even just dating before, because I was a little scared to use dating apps when I was like a freshman in college. And so I waited till I was, I think I was a senior when I finally used them. I remember feeling very aware that the other components that I, I knew that my Instagram would be looked at by potential romantic partners. And I acted on that. I made sure that it looked how I wanted it to look. But, you know, we've been thinking a lot about authenticity and then that I start to get really in my head. That's sort of my opening thoughts to this. I'm wondering what your reactions are. Sticking with like potential suitors, looking at <laughs> yes, your- Yes, suitors. Like... <laughs> what a, yeah, I, I don't know, like pray. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like what are you- Like what can you do to draw them into your Instagram yeah. profile? But like, so you have your Instagram and then you have like the photos that you have on these specific dating apps. And there are certain expectations mm-hmm. of how you present yourself on these dating apps. Yeah. One guy has a fish. Right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All group photos. Mm. Mm-hmm. Only selfies. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sunglasses. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. There's, it's so interesting. You're right. Like there are norms in that regard. And then you also are sort like, I felt very much a pressure to be like witty, but maybe that's just me. Mm-hmm. Like I spent so much time building my Tinder profile when I made it. And I remember mm-hmm. I made it. And then one of my platonic girlfriends saw my profile and was like, Grant, can we workshop this? And I was can like, we I thought it was everything? pretty good. But she, but then, so then I got many of my female friends to mm-hmm. provide feedback and was much more successful. Yeah. The female uh, gaze. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, and then also like, there are some pretty extreme differences among gender identities when it comes to mediating one's body. And I think men in general are less experienced and sort of like there's less pressure on them to do so. And mm-hmm. so when it comes time to mediate your body on dating apps, yeah. we're not very good at it. No. It's like <laughs> we have grown up being told like how to stand tall, how to balance stuff, how to walk in heels, how to wear makeup. And guys are like, oh, all I have to do is like go up to somebody and like hope like we don't have yeah. to try. Like that outside of dating apps, that was like always mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. And I think of like going into dating apps since I was in college, I felt like I had a lot of pictures of myself, but now like I would really struggle to find pictures that I like to make a profile. Yeah. Hopefully I never have to. (laughs) Knock on wood. Yeah. (laughs) Um, at one of our 
past events, we all dressed up for it. And we were like, this is a great time for everybody to sit on this one spot. And Steph takes all of these photos to use on dating apps. On dating apps, yeah. Facebook profile pictures, Instagram, all of that. We were like, we have the tree, we have the candlesticks, like we're doing it right now. We've all been there when there's single friends in the friend group and you're doing something and Mm -hmm. like they need a picture for their dating apps. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this part before. But when someone doesn't have a digital presence outside of that dating app, that's a bad vibe. Yeah, it is. People kind of expect that. Mm -hmm. And it can be a red flag. I don't think it's a red flag just like that they're not there. But it's like there's a certain like legitimacy that's lended to Mm -hmm. your profile when they can find you elsewhere. But here's another thing that's crazy is there's lots of apps now that are doing verification. Like, I think I think Bumble's had this feature for a while where you can verify your profile through, like, facial recognition tech. And there's a little badge there. I think it had that when I was on it, like, back in 2020. It's so wild. Um, and I know that LinkedIn has that now where you can verify your account and I think Instagram. And then there's X's weird thing where it's like you pay to verify. It's just like a textbook how not to run a social media site. But (laughs) um, I find that very interesting because like it circles back to trust. Mm -hmm. And it's like you have to trust. I I don't know. It's like there's so much you're trusting even when you're looking at someone's Instagram and I guess Mm -hmm. like when I when I think of like how is presenting the self different online which is something I focused very heavily on my first year at CCT like what's different in impression management which is a phrase uh, that Urban Goffman coined um, how is the impression I put forward more malleable and less bound to time and space and less bound to my physical limitations we are able to be more purposive execute more intention over our impressions online. And on the one hand, that's pretty cool to get like more flexibility in in like being myself. So there's sort of like, there might be a route to like a sort of radical authenticity there, but there's just, it's, it's really hard to be honest with yourself in every regard. And I mean, look at the ubiquity of filters now. I, I think people have so many like because we're so used to a kind of sizing other people up via digital media i think there's actually a lot of tools that we sort of developed that even without like verification or not you can kind of tell like well sorry let me i know a lot of people get catfished or scammed or whatever but i think for like those of us with pretty like savvy digital media literacy like there's almost an interpersonal component where you can kind of size up other people, not based on what's on their social media, but their entire sort of style. Does that make sense? Absolutely. There's a certain element to it. It you remember the conversation of like the humanness of AI and stuff? Like sometimes when you look at something, you're like, this doesn't have any soul to it. Mm-hmm. And somebody is just putting all of these things together captions don't flow well and like Mm -hmm. photos like a little off and they don't match Mm -hmm. all the other aesthetics whereas like with a real account I feel like 
I'm able to be like, oh no, that's a real person. And even if they suck at, quote unquote, suck at presenting themselves online, it's like, oh no, you're still a real person. You just like don't want to or know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there's another element to this too, and that's sort of a like accountability. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't want to say accountability. Let's say like a pressure for consistency. Like if you're, if I swipe onto a dating profile and see a certain, I get a certain impression from this person and then I go to their Instagram and it's like, I don't know, a dirt biking account or something mm-hmm. like that's a red flag. If all your pictures on your dating profile are like you doing charity work and then your Instagram is all like nightclubs, it's like you can't just put on a a digital self in like one platform. There has to be some unity across platforms when you are navigating this digitally tangled dating landscape. Insane. Yeah. That's a lot. I I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree with the metaphor of like it. That is a job. Yeah. And man, I don't want dating to feel like labor. That sucks. No. Dating can be so fun, but like it also really, really sucks. I hear so often men being like, if you're a man on dating apps, like you're not going to connect with anybody. Um, Cause there's way more male users for mm-hmm. one and two, the norms that I don't know. I don't know how strong they like, it feels like they're less strict than they were, but like, you know, guy approaches girl opens mm-hmm. guy for rejection. Like the approacher is the one that might be rejected. And I think because that's sort of the dynamic IRL, that's sort of, like, obviously, that's going to influence the digital dating dynamics. I wonder if there's been any studies on that, on, like, sites where anyone can make the first move. Like, yeah. I feel like it's got to mostly be dudes. And, like, there are so many stories of guys being like, oh, like, I get, like, one like a week. Whereas, yeah. like, a girl gets, like, Every other person she swipes on. She yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're also talking about this in very binary terms. And we can, like, continue this conversation, but, like, one thing I want to bring up is, like, how dating apps structure the ways in which we date. And so a lot of, it's very binary. You're a guy or you're a girl. And then, like, oh, okay, you can look for both. But it's, like, there are those distinctions from the start. And then, like, what you're able to give in the profile, like, on, I haven't been on dating apps in a long time they like, have changed like i think there's like a rating there's more metrics now mm, okay yeah it's, <laughs> it's a little icky yeah and like hinge now i know they have like a voice thing and one of my friends is on dating apps right i now think they added a video thing where you can like you introduce yourself <laughs> i can't do that i would rather no. die <laughs> yeah absolutely even the voice thing like i don't think i would do but there was this one guy who had the prettiest irish accent and, like, his profile was, like, mm. But then we heard the voice, and we were, like, you have to swipe okay, right. Like, yeah. you have to <laughs> match with this person. Yeah. He probably knew that. Like, Americans love Irish accents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am also thinking, did you know that up until, like, 2014, I think it was that recent, you could filter by race on Grindr? Oh. <gasps> I didn't know that. I went to a presentation. It was a guy... Uh, 
Chris Connor at the Society for the Study of Symbolic Interaction, the sort of legacy of that feature is people, some people will put in their profiles, like their racial preferences. The fact that a platform could, the, even if it's not there anymore, the fact that a platform could build a feature like that is very upsetting because it's like, it feels like meddling. I don't know. Like we're talking about love here. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. I, I just like love conquers all. Voice. Like this is supposed yeah. to be like, I don't know. And then I like love conquers all. Like let's get into Hinge has a fe- had a feature when I was on it where it was like you here's someone we think you'd really like and mm-hmm. you get like one of those a day. And now it is an algorithm that is promoting your life partner like yeah. oh my god. How how does that algorithm work? How did you decide to connect me with the people you're connecting me with? What a lot data of points? people are marrying the people they meet from these sites. Yes. And marriage is a pretty serious practice in the terms of our individual life course. That's not something to take lightly. Before dating apps, though, there was, like, this whole industry of matchmaking. That was also algorithmic. Mm-hmm. And classifieds. I want to, like, zoom out for a sec. I took a course with Professor Angela Thompson, who's a wedding expert, um, focuses on, like, weddings as rituals and, like, different manifestations across cultures cool so i took a marriage and family course from her and i think the biggest thing i learned is that both those main concepts marriage and family and this these are her words are are historically changing and culturally emergent so like you said like we've been talking about dating practices in pretty heteronormative binary terms but also pretty western terms um you know arranged marriages are a very common practice in other parts of the world and Um, I think, like, the role of the family in romantic pursuits is very different in different cultures. I mean, what room for family input does a dating app leave, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it sort of just erases that. Yeah. Every time I was going on a date with somebody from the apps, I lied to my mom. Like, I did not, like, there's no input from my family. Like, sorry, mom. (laughs) Sorry that it yeah, no, I think I mean, yeah, I mean, like I, my like my parents met Sophia like when she's my girlfriend. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's just not how I'm used to doing it. Yeah. I was doing a little bit of looking around Google Scholar and in my initial keyword searches before I sort of refined it to get into what I wanted to read about, I saw several articles discussing how romantic behavior is role modeled in media. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about that (laughs) because I am thinking of like how in the golden age of film, it might be role modeled by like grand gestures in the rain and like, you know, like a happy ending. But now I think about how like we can watch relationships form and fall apart in the like influencer celebrity world and what that sort of, I don't know. I I have the perfect example. Okay, great. Sorry to cut you off. No, I please been... do. <laughs> okay. The whole Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Yeah. NFL, all that different conversation. What I want to focus on right now is how people are like, we need to let go of our Joe Alwyn so we can get our Travis Kelsey. And 
that is so mind-boggling to me because to who joe who joe alwyn was her boyfriend of like six years like most recent ex was he the guy who was like he's just some guy Mm, Or, or what's oh he's an actor yeah I've never seen this man in my life. <laughs> I've never seen this man. And he dated Taylor Swift for six years? For like six, seven years, yeah. I've never seen this man. Okay, well, I've seen yeah. Travis Kelsey. Anyways, yes. tell me about this sentiment. So Joe and Taylor Swift's love life was very private. Like, no posting, no talking about it in interviews. Like, they were a very private couple. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, as you may have noticed, <laughs> they're very big. They're, like, they kiss in public. They hold hands as they walk to the car. And, like, he is absolutely fawning over her at her concerts. And he talks about her in interviews. And they're very public about their relationship. Mm-hmm. Now that she is in this relationship, people are like, this is what relationships are. You should have a man, like, praise you, love you, be so obsessed with you. And then being like, oh, the relationship with Joe, like, They just started dating. They did just start dating, yeah. And, like, I think that is influencing how we expect our own partners to be. And then, like, also... People loved Joe because they were like, oh, like, you don't need to have a public relationship. Like, so many people, like, didn't post their significant others on social media because it was like, oh, like, what's mine is mine. And then she wanted to marry him with paper rings and, like, oh, he loved her even though her reputation was bad. All of that stuff. People loved him. And then now that it's the complete opposite, people are like, no, we have to leave Joe for Travis. It's interesting. I think the thing about that that really stuck out to me is, like, the pressure to mediate the romantic relationships you're in. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a pressure to mediate everything. I can't live my goddamn life without, like, showing or, like, talking about it because that's Mm -hmm. just, like, I, I, like, have to do it or or I don't exist. Like, I don't know. And so I think people take their cues from instances like that. Like I said, like, like love conquers all. Like I hold love in very high esteem as we all should. And so like, it's frustrating to put like those sorts of qualifications on it. Like it's not love unless 300 million people can see it. Yeah. Nah. And people are so different. People are so different and show love in different ways, show affection in different ways. Also, you're still not seeing anything that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey don't want you to see, except for mm-hmm. maybe his old tweets. But mm. uh, <laughs> did you see those? No. Uh, well, so people did what they always do, and they went and dug up old tweets of his that have mm-hmm. aged very poorly. Uh, but a lot of them are like, it's like, yeah, like you caught a 19-year-old from Ohio being a dick online. Like, good job. Mm-hmm. We, are we surprised? He's a fucking football player. Like, he seems fine. And, and the things aren't, like, hate speech, but it is, like, it's him talking about his preferences for sexual partners, which is not a very, it, he doesn't use very nice language to talk about other people's bodies. That's what it is. So I'd say it's, like, fat shaming at worst. Mm. But then, like, it, it's it, celebrity relationships maybe could be a, its whole own thing of, like, 
because we are so interested in them and i feel like that dynamic of like the relationships we watch influencing like what we come to expect it Mm -hmm. like anything what you see is what there is what is communicative is real and what is real is communicative i have a little story okay there was this guy who i matched with on tinder could not find him on social media mm-hmm. no instagram no twitter found his facebook mm-hmm. but everything I was, was like private yeah and we had like a thing one summer lasted a couple months he comes up on my venmo which is like fascinating <laughs> because i'm not friends with him on facebook or anything and the only way we were connected was through tinder anyway i convinced myself that he was cheating on his girlfriend while we were like because i was like Ah. there's no way that this guy just does not exist and then like of course i looked through his venmo things like when he came up the first time and i was like huh (laughs) what's going on here did it seem like he had a girlfriend it to me it did wow but of course, Venmo always like, exposes yeah. <laughs> people. I love that Venmo is like, let's show everyone like what you're paying your friends for. Yes. Like, what the fuck? Why and would like, you make a social feature to this app? Yeah. So dumb. Um, that's funny. God. Your story reminded me of a story I have. And this has gotten embarrassing. So I was on Instagram at like 17, right? Yeah. And 17 was like, you know, I got a haircut. I like started going to the gym. I hit puberty. And so like I... <laughs> Girls started talking to me back, I guess, like when yeah. I was 17. And so I, on Instagram, I was like, hmm, like a lot of my, like, there's a lot of women on Instagram. Like, I wonder if I can meet, or I guess like at the time I would felt like, I wonder if I can meet girls through Instagram. Are you and sliding so, into people's DMs? <laughs> no, not at that time. But what I did, I was like, let me just like go through and like <laughs> find pretty girls on Instagram that like are in my school district and like follow them. So to this day, I have, like, several followers or people I've been following for, like, a decade now because <laughs> I thought they were hot when I was 17. That's and now so it's just, funny. like, they have kids and, like, yeah. and they're, like, and it's, like, I watched their, their whole life and yeah. I've never met them. That's so funny. <laughs> but then also on Snapchat, then, oh. different arena, I have, because we haven't talked about the Tinder to Snapchat pipeline, oh, but Snapchat ooh. is, like, the intermediary <laughs> step between, like more serious connection yeah. between unfortunately like, shit. Unfortunately. Yeah, because we're all stuck with our old usernames <laughs> <laughs> but anyways on snapchat which i don't use but if i go and open my stories it's mostly women i met on tinder or or previous romantic partners yeah. from college yeah and they're like still in my life kind of <laughs> because every once in a while i open snapchat and see like they're still at bars and stuff like yeah, i don't know like, there they are yeah that's weird <laughs> it is very weird or like jesus like the fact that because so i have throughout the course of my instagram career posted so many times with the people that eventually become my exes and so to this day everything they post is curated to the top of my instagram like that's fucking weird yeah and it's but then like the dynamics of digital media post breakup get so messy so messy like 
blocking your ex on every platform and they message you through Venmo or they email you. Like, I've heard stories like that. Like, have you ever had to block someone? No. I did once temporarily and I felt awful. I just feel like I've seen so many times how messy that gets post breakup. Like, what if someone is interested in someone else and likes their picture or like posts mm-hmm. with someone else too soon or like, you know, and then there's the sort of like the cyber stalking that can turn real stalking that can be very dangerous. Like, this is some weird shit. And it's kind of just like, you're 18 all right you can get on the dating apps now and like figure it out what parts of it work what's nice about it is that you can see people kind of outside your own little circle yeah that's what i was thinking yeah a wider pool of people to meet Mm -hmm. i think that's definitely one some sense of safety of like I can talk to these people without having to talk to them in a bar and worry about what the implications will be yeah and if you don't like them all you have to do is unmatch with them that's true and because your phone number and stuff is not tied to it unless you have that publicly somewhere else like they won't be able to really continue talking to you that's so true I'm I'm struggling to think of anything else. (laughs) Can I give the flip side of what I just said? Sure. I think it's really weird that with dating apps and, like, online dating, the initial meeting, we're so separated. Like, we're in separate rooms, maybe separate counties, states, whatever, and we're in our own little bubble talking to this person, and then the first meetup is, like, weeks or even days like days weeks months yeah. whatever like okay yeah and i think that's super weird i do too it's weird like i've had this instance several times now where i've known someone for a while but met them in real life only after like everyone at cct i knew for a year before mm. i met them in real life and everyone mm-hmm. i worked with at the child center i knew for like a year and a half before i met them in real life and it's awkward it's so weird because it's like i know you but like yeah i feel like i'm just meeting you Mm -hmm. yeah it is weird that like the default for so many dating is not like love at first sight but love at first swipe is that coins is that on that's probably on a tinder ad somewhere already probably oh i'm sure it's not well tm (laughs) yeah if it's that they can sponsor us because this is probably like for all the qualms the least negative stuff we've had to say about a platform. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here's another thing about ending relationships in Mm -hmm. media. There was an, when Facebook was like the creme de la creme of online social interaction and a relationship ended, you posted and told everyone. (laughs) It would say, yeah, your status is now, it's complicated. Your status is now single. Like that is crazy. (laughs) Whereas now it's more subtle Usually, it's more like such and such has been posting a lot of self-help quotes and deleted the last 10 pictures of their ex. Mm -hmm. Like, things like that. (laughs) It's, and and again, it plays right into that what's public, what's private domain. Mm -hmm. And like, all of this is just 
readily available structures for us to engage with. Mm-hmm. Like, if Facebook didn't have those, like, different tiers, we wouldn't have been doing that. Maybe no. we would have been. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. But it would have been something else. But, yeah, that's the point is, like, the software, like, enabled that. Yeah. Have you, you haven't seen Black Mirror, have you? I stopped after, like, season three. Did you see the episode Nosedive? Yes, yes. I'm thinking of that. Um, For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's about, it's a dystopian world where everyone for every interaction is rated out of five stars by the people they interact with. And that determines, it's basically a caste system based on your rank. Um, And it's about someone who's always, anyways, it's about the dangers of, mm, like, over metricing each other i guess Mm. like and i feel like that sort of practice if it starts anywhere it's gonna be dating yeah have you ever had friends break up and then you're closer to one friend than the other person and then you're like okay like do i still like their things do i still like stay friends with them like what is the etiquette here somewhat yeah not necessarily with a breakup but with just like friend drama mm -hmm. um i think yeah that's weird too um like my relation yeah like my relationship with this person has effectively ended except for these polished messages they send out every once in a while Mm -hmm. I still have ex-parent, parents belonging to ex-significant others, not ex-parents personally, (laughs) (laughs) Um, who still, like, like my things, and, like, when I got into Georgetown, they were like, oh my god, like, we're so happy for you. Oh, that's nice. It's so nice of them to do, but I'm like, that wouldn't exist outside of our current Mm -hmm. setup. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I had a weird moment the other day. So I dated this this girl in high school um, who's, like, still friends with someone from high school. and Very close. And it was that other person's birthday. And she posted a, an old picture of them. And I looked at it and I was like, that's my childhood bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture from, like, when we were hanging out oh, in high so school. Funny. And so I commented. And I was like, that is, yeah, like, what a weird interaction I had with my first ever girlfriend. Yeah. The digital media in general, like that was one of the first things in like media theory that I was really struck by was mm-hmm. that it fucks with time and it kind of like changes up the experience of being within time. And I think that is that's here, same as other places. And and place. Let's talk one last thing that we haven't touched on, but like this is I think a plus side to all this crazy shit technology around dating is the possibility of long distance relationships oh um my initial relationship with sophia took many forms that were only enabled through digital media whether it was proper long distance like colorado to texas or living an hour from each other in the same city which means we're often on facetime like sort of like hybrid dating can afford like is it can can allow us to make it work with people where it elsewhere might not 
Yeah. And obviously that depends on the people and it depends on a million other things. But speaking personally, for me, like it enabled me to, when I met someone and I was like, maybe I could build a life with this person. I was able to continue exploring it mm-hmm. where I wouldn't have been able to before. That does not make me feel like crying. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> maybe happy crying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know that I feel like I don't, really feel like crying either because well maybe I do I don't know maybe because I'm not on tinder I saw a tiktok the other day where somebody was like if you were on the dating apps in like 2019 and you like are no longer on the dating apps you were the last like plane out like (laughs) (laughs) that's funny yep so I think it's rough out there yeah I'm so sorry for... I mean, it's... That's the other thing is, like, dating at all is really hard. And you have to kind of wear your heart on your sleeve. And, I mean, rejection happens to everyone. And Mm -hmm. it it stings. And even if it's not personal, like, it's hard not to take it personally when it's dating. With Tinder, does it... Do you feel... Do you think it makes it, like, hurt more or hurt less? Because I think, like you get rejected by everyone Mm -hmm. you don't match with. But at the same time, like, you know that everyone's swiping through a bunch of people. Yeah. And, like, there's always somebody else that I'm going to match with. Mm -hmm. But then there's the fact that it becomes a numbers game. And, like, like you said, like, I think a lot of men, I can't relate, but a lot of men had a hard time getting matches on dating apps. Yeah. Subtle flex. (laughs) But uh, I... (laughs) I just have to say it. Um, <laughs> I think, like, I that, like, that stings. Like, mm-hmm. I like I spent two hours trying to make this profile. Or, like, I've been, like, sending messages with this person for seven days. The practice of ghosting is entirely enabled by yeah, these technologies. Absolutely. That's a whole new risk that we run in dating that didn't really... Before, that was called disappearing. <laughs> and it was a serious problem. Yeah. And now it's actually just about you and they don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That stings. I also think it's crazy how, like, we frown upon, like, cheating. Or at least, like, my values frown upon cheating. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, like, when you're on the apps, you can be technically talking to multiple people at the same time. Yeah, like, all, like... It's, like, the way it's built, you're, like, oh, then, like, replying to this message chain I have with this person, go back, do some swiping. Yeah. In case that doesn't work out. Like, <laughs> it, I guess it, like, diversifies risk in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is, like, it's, like, we're cool with polygamy until we're not. Yeah. Until it's, like, serious enough that you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Media Culture and YPod, where you can share your thoughts, engage with us, and we'll keep you updated on new episodes. Join us next time where we'll unpack another part of our media lives. Bye. Bye.